The Sobe Art Award is Canada's most prestigious contemporary art prize, bringing national and international attention to Canadian artists age 40 and under. Stephanie Kamalang was the winner for 2019, picking up the $100,000 top prize. Learn more about Stephanie and the four Sobe finalists in the two-part series, The New Masters on CBC Ideas. For more information about the award, visit www.gallery.ca slash Sobe. This is a CBC Podcast. While we're walking, I could, I could feel somebody getting closer to me. And they're following me, but I, I pretend I don't notice. And then they actually slip a note in the back pocket of my Levi jeans. From CBC, this is Love Me, a show about the messiness of human connection. I'm Lou. My grandmother was obsessed with keeping fit. She always tried the latest thing. I remember visiting her in Arizona right around the time aerobics were invented. She wore the leotard, the tights, the leg warmers, just like Jane Fonda. Her whole life, she drank Epsom salts, and she'd give herself and my grandfather enemas on a regular basis. Once, she sent us a Polaroid in the mail of my grandfather sitting on the toilet, cleaning himself out. Another time, a Polaroid of him skinny-dipping in the backyard pool. He was obviously flirting with her, blue eyes sparkling, his bare white ass caught mid-dive. She would often send us Polaroids in the mail like that, it was her way of keeping in touch. I remember this set of photos she sent of her and my grandfather in their bathing suits. She with her bleached blonde bouffant in her bikini, he in his speedo. Written on the white edge of the Polaroids was blubber number one and blubber number two. Looking at these photos of my grandparents, I see two total weirdos. Two people who wore their full ridiculous selves on their sleeves. They had no friends, but they had each other, and they recognized something in one another that kept them amused year after year. Today's episode Outside Looking In. She has blue eyes. She has a nice necklace, looks mm. like pearls. When I look at her, it's like she would like to say something. She might be a woman in her early 50s. For me, she's a very nice woman who's 41 years old. And she's holding a cigarette. Uh, she's smoking a cigarette. Her face has such a lovely sense of, um, I don't know. She's looking straight at me. Vulnerability. And she's about to tell me some of her woes. This woman with the pearl necklace smoking a cigarette looking straight at you. She's sitting at a table leaning gently forward My wife Donna and I rescued her from a pile of junk in a corner of a flea market 
here in France. This was a few months ago now, and ever since, I've just wanted to introduce her to people. There is something soft about her expression. Neighbors, a local author, a friend of a friend. And she looks really, really alive. Anyone I can entice into our apartment for a peek. I'm not a particularly jealous wife, but uh, you're obsessed. The other day you said something to me as I was looking at the painting. You said, I'm glad she's not real. (laughs) Well, you have fallen in love with her. And I'm glad she's not real for that reason. (laughs) Who, me? Obsessed? (laughs) Donna and I had been coming to France on holiday from Canada since we were dating sometimes for months at a time. Every night we'd lie in bed and go over the small joys of the day. Donna's crush on the butcher, who always used to throw in a little extra on the sly. The new ritual of buying food at an outdoor market. Life in France was sweet, and that little taste of what our life could become kindled our dream. After saving up for years, We finally packed up our life and made the move. And suddenly, there we were, on a highway just outside of Nice, our two elderly pugs snoring in the back of our loaded-down van. We lumbered to the top of one more hill, and then we saw it, the Mediterranean. She looks very beautiful a little bit translucent. It felt like we had slipped the bonds of gravity. Even more mysterious. So that's how we got to Nice. Aha. Pretty simple, right? Very impressive. Neat and tidy. Well, that's the version I tell people anyway. You learn to leave out the messy stuff. That there was something missing back home. Something that in the third act of your life, you're still struggling to find. You leave this part out because you don't want to think about it. Why saying goodbye was so easy. There's a bit of sadness, a little sadness in her eyes. Then one day something comes along that knocks you off your balance. A woman wearing pearls, leaning forward, Locking eyes with you. Even though she has a slight smile in her lips, she's not happy. When the sun pours in your living room window, bathing her in a soft glow, you study her eyes, and you know she has secrets. A past that's not so neat and tidy. She looks to me like a woman who's lived... Um, who's perhaps been through a few things. And what are those few things? They're a mystery, open to whatever you project on her. I think her husband is having an affair. (laughs) Seriously. She's not sure whether to ignore him or divorce him. 
it's it's very intriguing because she looks like she's begging for something. She's looking at someone I think she cares about. I imagine it's someone she loves, who may or may not love her. There's a, a slight wistfulness, I think, in the expression. They say we look at a painting to look at ourselves. So what do I see? Someone who left home for something better, but also someone who left because there really wasn't much to leave behind. No elderly parents to take care of. No children. We'd never wanted any. Oh, I had a lot of people I was friendly with in Toronto, but close friends... Fewer and fewer, it seemed. I mean, the kind of friends who ask you how you're doing and actually care to hear the answer. At least I had my work, a solid career as a journalist. I got to follow my curiosity and meet a ton of interesting people. But this thing happened when I got older. My company parked me in a corner, out of sight, out of mind. Invisible. You know, I look at her face and I wonder, is it sorrow? Is it resignation? Is it acceptance? There's a bit of sadness, a little sadness in her eyes. But now in France, a woman's eyes follow me around my living room. My very own Mona Lisa. She leans forward, and I find myself leaning towards her too and towards others. When I invite people over for the first time, we look at the painting, and when they pay attention to her, I get to bask in her glow. Earlier, where we were sitting, the light was really hitting your eyes, and as you were asking questions, you lit up, and the brightness in your eyes said it all. Who you are, the, the curious, inquisitive, you're the journalist. That came across. That's Carmen, a photographer who moved here from New York. Shortly after I introduce her to the painting, she asks if she could shoot my portrait sometime. In the meantime, I still wonder about this woman in the painting. Who she was. She might have been the artist's wife or lover or friend but I like to think that she commissioned the portrait for herself, that she hung it in her living room. And as she grew old, she would look at it, the sunlight bathing it in a soft glow. She looks like a very gentle woman, don't you think? In my story, the painting hangs in her living room until the day she dies. She's very much with us in this room. Like me, she has no children to pass it on to, so it goes to an estate sale, and then a flea market. Invisible, waiting for the moment that someone sees her again.
telling me how much that day was so beautiful. standing at the gates of Camp Bickle, which is a sleepaway camp in northern Ontario. I'm about eight years old, and I'm wearing sunglasses, because I'm going to be meeting a lot of new people at camp, and I don't want them to know my secret. So when I was two and a half years old, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is a tumor on the retina of the eye. And when I had my eye removed at two years old, I was just completely oblivious to what was actually happening. But it really shifted as I became older. I remember this one day in the third grade, we had a substitute teacher and she challenged us to a game of freeze dance, which means, you know, when the music stops, you have to stop. And if you don't stop fast enough, uh, you might be eliminated. The music stops and we stop. The music stops and we stop. Then the music stops suddenly while I'm mid-jump. And I come tumbling down onto my butt. And the fall on my butt actually makes my glass eye pop out. And I know everybody noticed because I could see their heads kind of bouncing across the room following the eye across the floor. And my substitute teacher screams. Our super innocent game of freeze dance soon becomes a pretty malicious game of monkey in the middle, but like with my eye. I leave the class, I leave the school, I run home. I don't even take the eye. So school's finally over, and I'm excited because I'm going to sleepaway camp, and this means I have a fresh new start. I could just be a person. I'm not a one-eyed, whatever, cyclops. Like, I'll wear my sunglasses. No one will know this, this horrible thing about me. One particular night at camp, we're all standing around the campfire, singing songs, roasting marshmallows. Curfew approaches, and I'm walking up this hill towards cabin number nine with my cabin mates. And while we're walking, I could, I could feel somebody getting closer to me. And they're following me, but I, I'm pretty shy, and, and I, I pretend I don't notice. I keep walking forward, and I, I sense that that person keeps getting closer. And then they actually slip a note in the back pocket of my Levi jeans. When I'm finally zipped up in my sleeping bag with my flashlight out, I open this note. 
and it says, meet me behind the washrooms. And it's signed Andrew. And you know, I, I know who Andrew is. Andrew is the guy that makes everybody laugh. He, he's cute. He's silly. You know, he's a fast runner. Like he is, he is the best camper. And suddenly he wants to meet with me. I'm starting to think, you know, this, this is it. This is going to be my first kiss. I'm thinking, okay, well, I better get there on time. And then I'm racing across the field to go towards the washrooms. But suddenly I stop. I stop midfield and I'm standing there alone. The grass is kind of wet because, you know, it got late and there's dew all over the grass. And I, I'm thinking like, what if he notices my eye? It's nighttime, I can't just wear my sunglasses. So what if he notices my eye and no longer wants to kiss me? decide to just keep running. I keep running to meet him behind the washrooms as planned. When I get there, he's standing behind the washrooms in the shadows. He has his arms crossed. He's looking down at his feet. I tiptoe in front of him. And we go for what feels like forever without saying a word to each other. And finally, he starts leaning in a little closer. My heart's racing. He leans in even closer. Now I'm like not actually sure how close or far he is because when you only have one eye, your depth perception really sucks. But then he stops and takes his hand and reaches up between our faces. And then Andrew takes out his glass eye. And he took out his glass eye. He's holding it in front of me. I had no idea. He has his eye between us and he just asks me, you know, what are you waiting for? So I reach up and take out my glass eye. And without saying a word, we exchange eyes and then I slide his much bigger glass eye into my much smaller eye socket and then we just stand there looking at each other straight in the eye On today's episode, you heard The Painting, produced with Neil Sandel. You can find a link to more of his work on our website, cbc.ca slash loveme. You also heard Stephanie Moret-Robert. You can find a link to more of Stephanie's storytelling at our website. You also heard the musical piece Portraits by Bezouk des Pluskabel. 
the Berlin-based collaborative project of Natasha Friud and Phil Smith. We'll have a link to their full album at cbc.ca slash loveme. Today's episode was produced and edited by Mira Bertwintonic, Sarah Geis, and Crystal Duhame. It was mixed by Mira Bertwintonic. Love Me's theme song is by Tim Kingsbury. Additional music by Murray Lightburn. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really mean a lot to us. This was our last episode of the season. Thanks so much for listening. Big thanks to all the folks at the CBC. Jess Shane for production assistance. Olivia Pascarelli, our digital producer. Arif Narani, the executive producer of CBC Podcasts. And Leslie Merklinger, senior director of Audio Innovation. If you think you have a story that could be a good fit for a future season of Love Me, get in touch. Love me at cbc.ca. I'm Lou Olkowski, wishing you a lot of love. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.